Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 28th day of October, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Call, and let's talk about a week where America finally again has a Speaker of the House. We don't have a rule of law, we certainly don't have a southern border, and we don't have much in the way of a Bill of Rights either, but we do have a Biden Fuhrer and an unlawful anti-constitutional regime in Washington that is working hard to make sure that the border invasion that eventually destroys what's left of America will make what happens south of Gaza in Israel look tame by comparison. And we'll talk about all those stories and more as we try to connect some dots over the next few minutes. And I think the best way to begin the process is to take a look at some stories from earlier in the week that make a singular point. The truth will out, even if one of the points that they make is it's probably already too late. Well, at least Big Brother seems to think so, or they wouldn't have kept it under wraps for this long. And here's the first installment. Federal officials have sounded the alarm, and I'm going to add one word in there. They have finally sounded the alarm on the potential infiltration, which means it's already a done deal, folks, and we all know it, of members belonging to Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah. Oh, and they left out MS-13, the PLA, and a whole bunch of others, but we already knew that, too. Through the southern border. What southern border? As highlighted in an internal memo dated 20 October and obtained exclusively by the Daily Caller News Foundation. Although Jim Hoft and the Gateway Pundit are also writing about it. This recent conflict, they note, between Israel and Hamas, which escalated with the most recent terror attacks on civilians October 7th, has the federal authorities, and ponder the irony here, on high alert. What does that mean? They put down their crack pipe for a minute? The San Diego Field Office Intelligence Division said, of Customs and Border Protection, double sick, sent the memo warning about potential encounters with members linked to terrorist organizations along the U.S. southern border. Quote, the San Diego field office, it says, intelligence unit, good grief. I hate reading stupid stuff like that because it's so asinine to even think about it being called an intelligence unit. Anyway, they assess that individuals inspired by or reacting to the current Israel-Hamas conflict may attempt travel to or from the area of hostilities in the Middle East via a circuitous transit across the southwest border, unquote. And I wonder where they got that idea. Maybe because 10,000 people a day have been doing it, and it's been increasing for the last two full years? This is asinine, folks. But what does it tell you that, again, they are finally coming out and saying what everybody with half a brain has known for years? I'll say it again. It means they know it's too late, and that what they're telling you about now has already happened. Stick a fork in it. Let me ask a really easy question here that you won't hear asked by the intelligence division, at least not publicly. If the world's premier intelligence organizations, the Mossad, Shin Bet, the CIA, FBI, and DHS obviously don't count as premier intelligence in any context, but they too were totally clueless about the long-planned Hamas attack, at least that's the story, Yep, every single one of these so-called brilliant intelligence outfits were all caught completely flat-footed, off-guard, blindsided by the amazing, who could have possibly imagined such a thing, especially 50 years to the very holiday season after the last major Mideast war. And these cretins, who think you're almost as stupid as they try to be, because they think you're still drinking their Kool-Aid, want you to believe that they couldn't see it coming before, but suddenly they do. But wait, that's not all. After demonstrating this brilliant planning, they also want you to believe that Hamas and their FBI, I'm sorry, Hezbollah puppeteers 
couldn't possibly have planned ahead. Likewise, for months or years in advance, and infiltrated the open U.S. borders, just like they were setting up to do in Israel. No, can't imagine that now, can we? Back to the shocking memo, quote, foreign fighters motivated by ideology or mercenary soldiers of fortune may attempt to obfuscate travel to or from the U.S. or from countries in the Middle East through Mexico, adds the memo. This is asinine, folks. How stupid do they think people are to believe that they've just now figured out what everybody with half a brain has known forever? There's a picture in the story here of the memo from the San Diego Field Office Intelligence Division entitled Situational Awareness. In other words, you could argue it's what every rancher and landowner within a 100 miles of that open southern border in Arizona, Texas, and New Mexico has known for a long, long time. And, says the story helpfully, this new development comes after traitorous so-called representatives like Jamal Bowman and other far-left open communists have already been calling on the United States to take in other terrorists, as if 10,000 a day wasn't enough, like Palestinian refugees from Gaza. And how bad is it? Well, we talked about this last week. It's so bad that even the traitorous, whoring head of the FBI, Christopher Ray himself, issued a dire warning about the rise of violent extremism. Now, the only thing they've been warning about up until now, oh, you know it, folks, the Biden Fuhrer and all those criminals in the whorehouse are saying, it's MAGA, it's MAGA that's the problem. They've been calling it the most severe threat the United States faces, bar none. Even worse, I guess, than outright criminals having taken over the government. And I'm going to pause for a second and let my blood pressure go back down. And I'm not even going to read this crap from Christopher Ray. What a lying scumbag. But this, at least, is typical. He indicated there's been a significant uptick in reported threats following the most recent terrorist attacks across a border that, well, up until those fateful seven hours or so, was probably the most secure on planet Earth. Anyway, even by Chris Ray's own idiotic standards, this is pretty asinine. Quote, in this heightened environment, he said, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats. Gee, do you think? And we've got to be on the lookout. Especially for, I kid you not, he actually is trying to get you to swallow this for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence on their own, unquote. No, pay no attention to those people who are being given their bus passes and plane tickets and off to join various sleeper cells in cities all across the once free United States from cesspool to shining cesspool. Now here, folks, is where the truth gets really ugly, but you'd better understand it, especially since they've realized they can't keep hiding it anymore. The Gateway Pundit has previously reported, they note, and these are CBP's own numbers, so yeah, take them if you'd like with a grain of salt, that September now holds the new record for the most encounters with illegal aliens at an alarming just shy of 270,000. That's in less than one month, folks. Then the total for the fiscal year 2023, and that number is almost two and a half million illegal potential terrorists. That's the highest, as you might have guessed, for any year in American history. But wait, there's more. There are other categories, too. One is called known or suspected terrorists, KSTs, and the other are called SIA, special interest aliens. And uh, you can pretty well guess, can't you, that those definitions keep getting changed as the numbers go off the charts. And please, try not to confuse them with MAGA terrorists wearing that domestic, violent, extremist red hat that you may have seen on MSNBC or the criminally negligent networks. These are the kind of terrorists that used to actually raise alarms back when we had a southern border and people that were serious about taking care of it. 
But even with changing definitions and outright lies, some of these numbers ought to raise a few eyebrows. U.S. Customs and Border Protection, SIC, published new data, says the TGP story this weekend, revealing that federal agents, SIC, apprehended an additional 77 of these so-called KSTs during just the last two weeks of September. And that number, 736, is the largest ever apprehended in recorded U.S. history. But wait, there's more. And for these numbers, we go to Naomi Wolf, who interviewed J.J. Carroll, a senior retired Border Patrol agent and author of a book entitled Invaded, the Intentional Destruction of the American Immigration System, who's been reporting some real numbers that really put the official lies into perspective. Retired agent Carroll noted that in almost 25 years in the service and well over 10,000 total arrests, he could literally count on one hand around five or so, the number of SIAs that he ever encountered in his work. And he observed that when one of these SIAs, or likely terrorists, was apprehended, yep, it did set off alarm bells back when we had a border, other activity at the station basically ceased as people went into high gear and high alert, and people like the Joint Terrorism Task Force came in and really took it seriously. And he noted one thing he'd never heard of was one of them being released. But enter the unelected Biden Fuhrer, the open border and open season for terrorists in the United States. There have now been, he noted, over the last two years, not only an incredible increase, but approximately 100,000, yes, folks, that's with lots more zeros of these SIAs that have not only been encountered, but basically caught and released, something that would have been unheard of when border security mattered. These are truly beyond stunning numbers, and but for the perfidy that we're getting used to, they should have been unbelievable. So I'll try to bring home the point one more time. The fact that Customs and Border Protection sick, and the FBI, and all the other incompetent so-called intelligence agencies that failed us so miserably at the last example of why border security mattered in the Mideast, are now telling you, hey, there are probably lots more terrorists than we've been willing to admit before that are coming. No, that means they're already here, and that the die is cast. This is called things like CYA and conditioning, but really, folks, it's a limited hangout because, well, I guess this is a good way to put it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! On then, now to the next item in our truth will out, but it might be too late category for today. Mortality rates, says another piece from Exposed News and other sources, per 100,000 person years, shockingly reveal what everybody with, again, I keep wanting to say this, half a brain knew a long time ago. If you are duped into taking the fourth Zyklon B injection, your chances of dying are really, really increased, especially if you happen to be a young person who doesn't have much of a chance of dying from COVID to begin with. The mortality rates per 100K shockingly reveals, says the story, that four-dose so-called vaccinated teens and young adults are 318% more likely to die than the unvaccinated control group, according to a report quietly published, and now you know why, by the United Kingdom's Government Office for National Statistics, or ONS. Yeah, they call it a surprising pattern, folks, that has emerged. It's not surprising at all if you've been paying attention. There is more to this story, but since other things that came out later in the week on basically the same subject made it seem almost tame, we'll continue. 
This one comes from Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s Children's Health Defense, written by Mike Capuso, and it's about how the White Whorehouse orchestrated the satanically evil cover-up of the heart damage that is caused by the COVID-19, a.k.a. Zyklon B, not vaccine injections. FOIA, or Freedom of Information Act emails obtained by the Daily Clout, show high-level officials at the so-called White House, as well as the Center for Death and Control, and the American Academy of Pediatricians all knew that the COVID-19 vaccines were linked to myocarditis and death, yet they doubled down on the vaccine mandates anyway. The White Whorehouse and the CDC knew, as it turns out, back in April 2021, That's a long time ago, folks, that the Pfizer COVID-19 mRNA vaccine was linked to heart damage on an unprecedented scale for a vaccine, uh, for a so-called vaccine. i got to keep modifying that. But they hid that knowledge from the public while pushing the not-vaccine mandate, according to emails obtained via that FOIA request which show a white whorehouse communications team struggling to craft a cover-up message on email chains that included none other than America's Dr. Mengele, the notoriously evil Tony Fauci, then director of the NIAID, and chief medical advisor to the senile imposter. Others on the list include CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Janet Woodcock, then Acting Commissioner of the U.S. FDA, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, and Dr. Francis Collins, then Director of the NIH. A number of high-level public health officials, as said, worked with upper echelon leadership to craft what's now called the myocarditis email that minimized the relationship between the not-vaccine injections and myocarditis. This, according to Amy Kelly, Program Director for the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Document Analysis Project. And the story includes a whole list of officials here that are up to their satanic necks in the cover-up. And the story tells us that these damning emails were obtained by Edward Berkovich, one of 250 volunteer attorneys that Kelly oversees as part of that project, founded by best-selling author and journalist, former leftist, by the way, Naomi Wolf, in collaboration with Steve Bannon, former advisor to President Trump. And over 3,000 volunteer doctor, nurses, scientists, and others who are reviewing the documents. And so far, they've issued 89 investigative reports, including the one from October the 18th on the myocarditis cover-up, evident from these damning emails. Astonishingly, said Kelly, the emails revealed that the most senior of leaders, sick, all the way up to the White House... (laughs) You know it, folks. Knew about heart damage linked to these mRNA vaccines, she said, yet they colluded behind the scenes to conceal this side effect. Hmm, I wonder if that's really the proper term there either, from the American people. Anybody, though, she said, can study the three FOIA releases of the emails at dailyclout.io. And what I think is most important, she added, is to see who all is involved. Over a 100 different people are on the emails, including a slew at the White House, CDC, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, NIAID, Pfizer, various children's hospitals and organizations, as well as some external people. And my takeaway is from seeing all of this, All over the public health agencies, they all knew there was an issue with myocarditis dangers linked to the, uh, well, not vaccines. Yet when you read through these things, you see they're crafting messages to downplay the significance of myocarditis and the vaccines all the way up to, yeah, say it with me, folks, the white whorehouse. And are you starting to see why that is the only proper descriptor now? Which even, says the story, created a 17-page official script to, quote, keep everyone on message. 
This email, Revelation, says the piece was a frequent topic of discussion on a Saturday this last weekend at what was called the Summit for Truth, which brought together various leaders of the health freedom movement at Bethel Christian Fellowship Church in downtown Rochester, New York, where Naomi Wolf was the keynote speaker in a lineup that included other notables like Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Ryan Cole, attorney Bobby Ann Cox, and Brownstone Institute publisher and writer Jeffrey Tucker. Wolf spoke about her journey from feminist icon to outcast from the leftist liberal media establishment when she dared to question the safety sick of the COVID-19 shots. She's written two books on her experience investigating and reporting on the pandemic, including The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human, and an upcoming book entitled Facing the Beast, Courage, Faith and Resistance in a New Dark Age. And during that panel discussion on Saturday, Wolf called the White Whorehouse involvement in the cover-up of various dangers associated with the mandated Zyklon B injections, quote, absolutely shocking. And she added that Berkovich's FOIA request was aided by what she called a whistleblower at the CDC, who seemed to be, quote, throwing the White House under the bus because, quote, in addition to the pages he'd asked for, he got 46 pages he didn't request. that showed the White House communications team was, quote, freaking out at the highest levels in April 2021 because news of blood clots and heart damage had reached him. She said, yeah, not internally, folks, but I guess that means through the media, which wasn't supposed to talk about. Quote, instead of coming clean with the American people and pulling this injection off the market, they looped in the other scumbags, including Fauci, Collins, Walensky, and they created a script, she said, a 17-page script, their word, which is wholly redacted, to keep everyone on message and downplay the dangers. And in fact, if you recall from 2021, rather than pulling this injection off the market, they mandated it. They doubled down, she said, and mandated it. She calls it a massive crime, which, you know what, folks, is arguably an understatement, because some of us would say it is treason, war on the American people. And uh, if we still had a rule of law and you've ever read the Constitution, you ought to know what that means. And ponder the irony. There still hasn't been a single impeachment of a single one of these absolute traitors. This just goes on and on, and the more you read about it, the more you find that it should be absolutely not only infuriating, but damning. Dr. Peter McCulloch, one of the most highly published cardiologists in the entire world, said that the Pfizer COVID-19 so-called vaccines should have been pulled from the market way back in January 2021, after, quote, no more than 50 deaths, the previous government standard when it came to the safety of a biologic product. He said FDA records show the agency expected a myocardial risk from the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines as early as October of 2020. Let that sink in for a second. And nearly two months later, he noted, Pfizer covered up 38 additional deaths linked to their vaccine before the December 10, 2020 meeting of the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. If they had reported those deaths, he said, there would have been a three to fourfold excess cardiovascular risk with Pfizer in the core slides at that December 10, 2020 meeting, and Pfizer would never have been approved. And he said the subsequent myocarditis cover-up has killed untold thousands of Americans. The story goes on to talk about Dr. Bruce Boros, a Key West Florida cardiologist who was one of America's first physicians to use ivermectin for early treatment of COVID-19 based on his research into the then-emerging literature. And now, he said, recent studies show that RNA from the COVID-19 not vaccines, quote, goes right to the heart. 
One study that applied the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to heart muscle cells in culture, quote, showed direct evidence that within 48 hours there was heart dysfunction, mechanical and electrical chaos, he said. And he added young athletes dropping dead from heart failure at unprecedented rates are, quote, almost assuredly suffering myocarditis symptoms brought on by the shots. Worse still, he said, quote, everybody who received the shot had some damage to the heart muscle. And they knew this, he said, in preclinical studies, and they covered it up. All the signals were there. The FDA went ahead and approved it anyway. Yeah, he said it's a money game, a eugenics game, and they're continuing to say that you need a booster. And now, he added, they claim every child in the world, quote, should get this shot for a virus that has been falsely normalized as dangerous when the risk, especially for children, is essentially zero when it comes to death. It saddens me, said Boros in conclusion. We need to remember this was created as a bioweapon and hold our government sick responsible. Unquote, folks. And you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? You better not hold your breath, but you had better be ready because they're not done. We'll wrap up this first segment with two more stories that make that point, but directly from the Bill of Rights. The first one, you probably heard about this. Journalist Owen Schreier was convicted of a speech crime by the Orwellian January 6th Star Chamber Court, sick, and reported to a Louisiana gulag midweek. But it's not just the First Amendment under attack by the regime. They are really jonesing to destroy what's left of the second, as you no doubt know. We'll talk about the resulting and, yep, inevitable latest false flag when we come back after the bottom of the hour break. But two stories from earlier in the week will help set the stage. First, this one from the Daily Mail, which clearly doesn't get it. An upscale apartment complex they begin in Southern California. The Camden Harbor View Apartments in Long Beach have been plagued by a mob of teenagers and other criminals who have left tenants fearing for their safety or worse. Residents of the expensive complex are demanding more security, especially after a string of arson fires, vehicle thefts, and assaults and break-ins in the complex over the last month. On Monday, speaking to a number of local news outlets, residents cited a wave of break-ins, burglaries, and physical assaults believed to be the work of the same group of minors or terrorists or, well, call them what you want, folks, but what you aren't allowed to do is defend yourself against them in the People's Republic. They said they've reached out to both management and the city in hopes of securing a solution. They showed security and cell phone videos of some of the incidents as proof, including one of the clips where teens appear to attack a man within the area. Another one shows a teen kicking in the residence apartment doors before running away with a group of friends. Finally, one more, courtesy of KTLA, a resident said she was attacked by teens with a skateboard, which for her was the last straw. What's she going to do about it? That's the question. Because actually preventing it with physical force isn't a choice in a totalitarian regime. Which brings me to an obviously related story. It comes from Tyler Durden and Zero Hedge about the prices of ammunition in once free America. As the Israeli-Hamas war, they say, sparks fears of World War III. <laughs> That's putting it mildly, folks. World War III has been in progress for quite a while. It's just been escalating quite a bit of late. Law-abiding Americans are once again streaming the chaos in Israel and Gaza on their smartphones and smart TVs and so forth, and they've come to the obvious conclusion. It's time to panic buy ammo, just like we did back during COVID. 
and probably, folks, for a lot of the same reasons. They really do want you dead. New data from the ammo tracking website called Ammo Prices Now shows that 556 NATO caliber ammunition listed online by popular brands surged 39% in just the past week alone, up from 36 cents a round to 50 cents a round on October 14th. The price spike is significantly larger than the move even back in early 2022 when Russia took the Biden bait and invaded Ukraine. Oh yeah, and let's not forget 223 Remington, a very similar round, surged 42% last week as well. But there's more to this, evidently, than just the threat of an expanded World War III. Americans are also watching the Ukraine war, at least a few of them that didn't realize that at least that front was largely over a while ago. And the imploding U.S. cesspool cities, governed by radical leftist progressives who could obviously care less about law and order. And all of these developments, it says, are stoking yet another run on ammo. Well, folks, there's one other indicator that some of us have pointed to of late. Remember that big fire at a manufacturing plant just last week that made, past tense, exactly this kind of ammunition, which isn't even the first indicator of the Biden regime's desire, to put it mildly, to cut off such sales to American civilians anyway. But you know, that's just part of the way tyranny works, and we'll pick it up there right after the bottom of our break. Stay with us. Welcome back now to the second segment of the show for this evening, folks. I am your host, Mark Hall, and we'll pick it up by noting that, as you might have guessed, there is a whole lot of news on literally every front this week, including the economic meltdown, the political meltdown, and, of course, the World War III escalation and ultimate meltdown. We certainly have the continued false flags and escalation towards the inevitable terror. That's what happens when you have literally division after division of foreign invaders allowed to come into the country and then distribute themselves all over the place to various cells in all the cesspool cities. And, of course, who knows where else. We'll get to at least some of the stories that are being touted by the waste stream in just a minute. But first, let's take a look behind the smoke before it gets too thick, and do a quick headline review to set the stage. These are the stories that simply won't even be allowed to emerge normally, but they'll give us a big hint as to what the misdirection is intended to achieve. Starting with a couple of the uh, throwaways, like this one. Deadline Bangkok from the Associated Press. The California dictator Gruesome Newsome had a surprise meeting with his upline in communist China. Dictator for life Xi Jinping on Wednesday after he was warmly welcomed. <laughs> hey, comrade, would you expect anything else by other senior leaders in a display of friendliness, says AP, that stands in sharp contrast to the dialogue between the criminal government of the United States and criminal government in China over recent years. I mean, really, folks, they can't come right out and admit the puppet strings they have there in the Oval Orifice, can they? Gruesome Newsom's on a week-long tour of China where he plans to push for more climate BS and, of course, attempt to emerge as the front-runner for the next unelected dictator of the United States. He does, after all, have that color thing going against him. 
But I can't help but think if he comes out as a metrosexual or pansexual or whatever kind of sexual tranny, we'll know that not only is the fix in, he's the pick. Speaking of the fix being in, though, here's another story you're not going to see ever again. Remember the self-described blithering idiot? Yeah, he soft-pedaled it just a bit, but that was the gist of it. The high school principal who bore just about the worst fruit in a really horrible public cesspool orchard didn't even know what a fire extinguisher looked like or what would happen if you pulled it. Or so he claimed. Good grief. Did you think he might be charged with a felony or just thrown in the gulag without charges at all for a couple of years to, to cool his disgusting heels? Hell no. Was he even kicked out of Congress or censured? Of course not. Far-left Democrat, but I repeat myself, Jamal Bowman, who pulled the fire alarm at the House and intentionally sabotaged a vote right there on camera, so it was hard to deny. Far more than anything that's been held in a gulag in the District of Criminal Swamp for at least two years was actually even accused of doing? Well, he has received his reward. Calling it a slap on the wrist, folks, would be an insult to uh, real slaps on the wrist. He appeared before the so-called court on October 26th at 9.30 a.m. on the charge of a fire false alarm. And, of course, because he is a special person above the law, it was resolved a whole hell of a lot more quickly than any of the January 6th so-called insurrectionists. For the commission of an actual felony caught on tape, he pled guilty to a misdemeanor. And under the terms of the prosecutorial sellout, he wrote an apology to the Capitol Police. And guess what? It all seems to have just gone away. Meanwhile, Owen Schroyer, who didn't even touch a fire alarm, is in jail, beginning his four-month sentence for a speech crime, while the poster boy for swamp felonies then proceeded to tweet out the following, quote, No one in this country is above the law. <laughs> and how's that for just rubbing your noses in it? By the way, I do have some counterpoint stories on the legal double standard front. No surprise. And they're also not really in keeping with the theme of things you're not going to hear about, because these I'm sure you will, which means we'll probably get around to them later. But still, I guess you could argue that disrupting Congress might be a public service, certainly more so than killing tens or arguably hundreds of millions. Snap, they get their way billions of people. As America's Dr. Mengele and all of those legions of evil who've been doing his bidding have been getting away with, Two stories on that front today, one from Steve Kirsch, who notes that the irresponsible attacks by an L.A. Times journalist on MSU professor Mark Skidmore's paper had motivated him to run his own survey of his readers to see what the actual harm numbers really are, from the Zyklon B injections, of course. Now, admittedly, folks, this is not what you call a scientific survey. There's a certain amount of selection bias because the people who are truly blind probably don't know anything about what's going on here anyway. But if you think about it and understand what we're talking about here, if they had been able to be included, it would probably just make the numbers look that much worse. But let's be honest, there's no chance of a large, especially public-funded scientific survey being done because those that will be paying for it will be pulling the strings and making sure that the results are far more biased than just anything that selection might accomplish. Anyway, over 10,000 readers, says Steve Kirsch, responded to his survey, and they clearly demonstrated that the COVID-not vaccines have killed, he estimates, at least three and a half times as many people as the Fauci flu bioweapon itself. And that, in fairness, I have to add the words, so far. 
And he said he's had expert statisticians, epidemiologists, and others review the survey, the methodology, the results, and they couldn't come up with any complaints. I'm willing to put a million dollars on the table right now, he added. This is right. And that the vaccines have killed more people than COVID. Any takers? And if not, why not? Well, we know the answer on that score, and we also know that it's not going to matter. But I do have this, a follow-on story that also is going to be obscured by the smoke today, courtesy of Vaccines.News and sites like author Vox Day. More revisionist history, says the headline, OSHA, and its head now claims that the agency never, oh no, trust us, if we ever lied to you, never issued a COVID vaccine mandate. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I kid you not, folks, they are really trying to rewrite history, right, George? With a straight face, a top federal official in the Occupational Safety and Health Administration claims his agency never told private companies to implement Wuhan coronavirus, COVID-19, vaccine mandates, even after the Supreme Court rejected that very same mandate. Yeah, you heard that right. And if you're surprised... Well, you shouldn't be. If you're shocked, come on, where you been? But if you're disgusted, at least that's an appropriate reaction. By the way, the story says tens of millions of private sector workers were impacted by the ruling, which was overturned in early 2022 after the U.S. Supreme Court blocked OSHA from enforcing their anti-constitutional, and now they're even lying about the fact that it ever happened, mandate. The Epoch Times reported the estimates back then said that probably 84 million people or so, about two-thirds of the entire private sector workforce, would be impacted by that mandate that Big Brother and his minions now insist and their Ministry of Truth is out there rewriting history to make it so never, ever happened. (laughs) But they're going to do it again, don't you know? By the way, you knew this, but I might as well tell you how the ruse is going to play out. The mandate, they're saying, isn't a mandate because people had an option. It's kind of like a rapist saying, hey, it wasn't a rape because you had an option too. I just had that knife to your throat. I never actually told you it was going to happen if you said no, did I? Here's some kind of sort of good news, but it won't get much coverage. It does at least explain that the green energy panic, the inevitable result when people figure out that they've been lied to, and as a further result, they're going to suffer big time for it. And the green energy panic and collapse has only just begun. Siemen energy shares in Germany crashed Thursday amid a warning by the company that its wind turbine business was grappling with quality issues and offshore ramp-up challenges. They crashed 37%, as a matter of fact, says the Zero Hedge headline, as the renewable bus sparked a green panic, the company says they're evaluating measures to strengthen their balance sheet and discussing, here it is, state guarantees. If nobody else wants to buy this crap, hey, big brother, you bail us out. All of this comes as the financial crisis and offshore wind energy continues to brew, and even environmentalists, sick, are beginning to figure out they've been had too. From there, let's move towards talking about why the need is for so much smoke on a day like today. Quick headline, the U.S. just added another $600 billion in new debt in just one month. Tell me you're surprised. On the subtle signs of World War III front, Hal Turner's radio show is reporting that two State Department aircraft have left Tehran, Iran, designated State 23 and State 24. They took off, and as he puts it, that appears to indicate the talking is over. One flew to Amman, the other still in the air. As of press time, the war of words accelerated at the U.N. Security Council, where a testy exchange took place between Russian, Chinese, and Israeli ambassadors. The situation at the Gaza Strip, says the peace, probably an understatement, seems to be hitting the breaking point, at least diplomatically. 
Late yesterday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu gave a nationwide television address telling Israel that, quote, the start date and time for the ground invasion of Gaza has been set. He just didn't say what it was yet. There are huge numbers of stories advising that when that invasion comes and they try to go door to door, the casualties will be horrific on both sides. And that's exactly what history has shown, folks. Most recently, Colonel Douglas McGregor, who spoke with Tucker Carlson and was confident enough in his sources to openly discuss a joint U.S. IDF recon force taking heavy losses in Gaza, saying, we're not in a strong position. We're probably at the weakest point in our recent history. I think you've got to look at the realities of new weapon systems and new capabilities. Referring to potential heavy casualties during simply a recon mission, he added, and I certainly think it is very dangerous for us, unquote. Another analyst said when you consider it took 14 months for 50,000 Russian shock troops supported by 330 tanks to take Bakhmut, a city of only 16 square miles and a population of 72,000, the idea that it will only take three months for Israel to clear out Gaza, which is basically an urban zone almost 10 times the area, but approximately 25 times the population, well, that's simply not credible, even without the threat of Hezbollah to the north. And then again, there's this. Hey, let's not forget how many Israeli and American soldiers might die at the hands of Biden-provided weaponry to Hamas. Citing reports, says Tom Ozimek via the Epic Times, that advanced U.S.-made firearms, the kind that Americans aren't allowed to possess anymore, have ended up in the possession of the Hamas terrorist group in Gaza. Several members of the House Oversight Committee among the Republican side of the aisle are demanding answers from the Pentagon. Yeah, good luck. About what's being done to make sure that American-made weapons don't end up in the wrong hands. Well, I guess you'd have to say, arguably, way too little and certainly too late. The committee, wrote House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer of Kentucky and Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia in an October 23rd letter, the committee has seen reports that U.S. manufactured weapons are being redistributed and resold in secondary markets to terrorist organizations, including Hamas. And while I can understand that they might be upset, folks, I'm having a little difficulty believing they are truly that surprised. Because, as you probably recall, one of the sources of these U.S.-made weapons is the huge multi-billion dollar stockpile left behind in the Biden turnover of American weaponry to Afghanistan and the Taliban. Another is related to the arms the U.S. is allegedly providing to Ukraine, but in fact seem to be ending up in the hands of a number of various Middle Eastern and other terrorist actors, including gun-smuggling criminal groups. And I don't even think they're talking about Fast and Furious in this case. So it's fair to ask, and a number of people seem to be, are the tunnels under Gaza already filled with megabucks worth or maybe more in advanced high-tech U.S.-made weaponry? Well, lots and lots more U.S. boys and girls, no doubt properly trained in transgenderism and LGBTQIA+, critical race theory, and all kinds of other BS, but probably not aware of what they're up against and who's actually been paying for it. Now die for this latest step in the New World Order? Or, hey, maybe the deep state really does have a plan. Here's a story from Chris Menahan via Information Liberation that says a report indicates Israel is planning to, and here's the quote, flood Hamas's tunnels with nerve gas under supervision of none other than the United States Navy. According to the Middle East Eye. That would, of course, folks, be a war crime and what once upon a time would have been called an atrocity. Before we got used to seeing atrocities become routine in places like grade schools and libraries, 
which says, quote, Palestinian resistance groups expect Israel to flood Hamas tunnels with nerve gas and chemical weapons under the surveillance of U.S. Delta Force commandos as part of a surprise attack on the Gaza Strip, said a senior Arab source familiar with the group to the Middle East Eye. Israel and the U.S., it says, hope to achieve the element of surprise, and I guess surprise now depends on whose military intelligence is more incompetent, in order to penetrate these Hamas tunnels to rescue the estimated 220 hostages and kill thousands and thousands of soldiers belonging to Hamas's Al-Qassam Brigade, said the source in a statement, noting the information comes from a leak originating, where else? In the U.S., probably the Biden regime somewhere. They can't verify the information in the leak, and that's no surprise. So yeah, folks, take it with a huge grain of salt, like everything else coming out of a war that arguably was a surprise to everybody because of the incompetence of the Israeli and U.S. and just about every other so-called intelligence agency that had anything to do with it. In other words, truth is the first casualty of war, and that's still more than obvious. But I guess you'd have to ask this question. Given that Israel was more than willing to become the first nation in the world to massively force vaccinate its own people, and of course the United States then doubled down and killed tens of millions more, not only with the Fauci flu original bioweapon, but the 1-2 Zyklon B follow-on punch, and a mandate that's now even being denied ever existed, every single bit of which violated not only the intent, but the explicit understandings of what have been called the Nuremberg Protocols. You don't kill people without at least giving them a choice, much less informed consent. I mean, really, and I hate to say this, but who are we kidding? Who would be remotely surprised by the use of a little bit of nerve gas and chemical weaponry to just top it all off? As Chris Menehan concludes, and not without a bit of similar cynicism, quote, the most moral army in the world strikes again. So with the stage set, folks, World War III in the escalation phase now writ very large, and at least hundreds of thousands, arguably millions of potential terrorists already distributed throughout the once-free United States and ready to do whatever it is they're told to do, whenever it is they're told to do it. And if you were paying attention to what happened south of Gaza in Israel, are you ready for what's going to happen nationwide in the United States? And what would we expect to be the trigger that kicks it all off? And furthermore, what would you, if you were an evil Bond villain, like those that are running this country and most of the rest of the world too, what would you do first? Maybe we saw the answer overnight. And remember, those people in Israel that were the victims of the Hamas invasion out of Gaza were pre-disarmed. Even though you might have thought they should have known better, they were utterly unable to fight back. And the results spoke for themselves. And if you've been paying attention to what the Biden Fuhrer and those pulling his puppet strings have been jonesing for in America since before day one, yeah, they want the American people completely disarmed, why overnight, right on schedule... You saw yet another example of exactly what we've seen way, way too often to still be drinking the same Kool-Aid. But that doesn't mean they aren't going to continue to try to cram it down our throats. Let's go first to the New York Post. More objective coverage says a gunman killed at least 22 people in separate shootings across Lewiston, Maine on Wednesday night, according to law enforcement, sick, sources and reports. The person of interest, and you know what that means, folks, the alleged lone gunman behind the deadly mass shooting in Maine is reported to be a trained firearms instructor believed to be in the Army Reserves, according to law enforcement sources in the state. Now, right there, doesn't that kind of stink to high heaven? And just remember, less than a week ago, we had a trained pilot tried to down a plane in Alaska. What are the odds? Robert Card, age 40, 
stationed in Saco, Maine, was reported to have heard voices and threatened to shoot up the National Guard base where he was stationed, said sources. He'd been committed to a mental health facility over the summer, released after a two-week stay, and uh, nothing suspicious here at all, folks, right? I don't know, being a bit cynical makes you wonder what kind of grades his handlers gave him. The usual suspects are already crapping their pampers with joy. The Biden Fuhrer has already promised loads and loads of federal help. And the Daily Mail has headline after headline celebrating the occasion. Oh, by the way, guess what weapon the uh, lone gunman chose to use or was provided with? Yep, the headline from the Daily Mail tells you all you need to know. Revealed, it says in the banner, the deadly secrets, booga, 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 of the AR-15, the weapon of choice for America's mass shooters, especially those that are on the federal dole, don't you know? Shorter than a baseball bat, it begins and lighter than a bowling ball. The AR-15 rifle is America's favorite semi-automatic rifle. They don't say it, but that means you MAGA types out there, you people who actually know what the right to keep and bear arms was supposed to be about. It's affordable, says the piece. It's simple to shoot. Its gentle recoil makes it easy to aim. The AR-15 has a high-velocity bullet. Remember, the Biden Fuhrer says it's five times faster than anything, even on Star Trek. And this, says the Daily Mail is what makes it an absolute, quote, killing machine and a dismally regular theme in America's, I would say it this way, government-funded epidemic of mass shootings. They left out one key point here, too, especially folks in gun-free killing zones where the patsies don't seem to have to worry about anybody being able to shoot back. But maybe that's what their spotters are for. If you're not cynical by this point, folks, you are literally not paying attention, and it's probably going to cost more and more people their lives. But guess what? I alluded to this up front. Notice that with all of the real terrorists in the country here, courtesy the multi-year, multi-million man invasion at the open southern border, from MS-13 to Communist Chinese PLA to pick an Islamic terror group, pick a drug cartel. We're not seeing anything being reported about what these guys are up to. No, what we got to have first is well-trained U.S. trusted personnel like pilots and firearms instructors in the U.S. Army who grease the skids, get the American people all lubed up for having their weapons taken from them by force, as Biden is promising, and then... And arguably only then will the other terrorists, the real ones, be unleashed. Just like we're getting used to, just like we saw oh so effectively there in Israel. Let's start to wrap up with this, because amid all the smoke and amid all of the flames and indecision and finger pointing, all of a sudden on Tuesday night, the House Republican Caucus came together and elected Representative Mike Johnson as their Speaker-designate, whereupon he then became, with unanimous Republican approval, Speaker of the House. Who could have thought it? And then, as his first action as Speaker, the House passed a resolution almost unanimously in an overwhelming vote of 412 to 10, saying that the U.S. stands with Israel in the wake of the October 7 Hamas attack, and as Israel is relentlessly bombing Gaza, the resolution reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to provide military aid to Israel and said that Congress will work to pass more, more, more. Can you kind of see where the train is headed here, folks? Does look like at least uh, that one is back on the tracks. But what is completely off the rails is the whole concept of the rule of law, especially if you expect anything even remotely approaching justice from the courts or the swamp. And once again this week, we saw that illustrated the American people had that slammed down their throats with the compare and contrast between what happens if you win an election and what happens if the deep state steals it for you.
Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley revealed evidence this week, as if we haven't known for years, but surprisingly, before the week was over, even the Daily Mail was reporting this one, that the FBI and the DOJ attempted to shut down investigative activity into the Biden crime family. <laughs> Are you shocked? And they initiated a cover-up of critical criminal misinformation. They labeled it uh, foreign disinformation. In other words, they lied. They committed obstruction of justice. Now, this is the part that would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. Grassley presented his findings in a letter to who? The criminals that have been doing the cover-up. Yeah, Merrick Garland, the so-called Attorney General, and FBI Director Christopher Wray, saying, hey, you guys had better quit covering up things and obstructing justice. No, they're not going to do that. The letter, he said, um, has findings that indicate there is and has been an effort among certain Justice Department and FBI officials, and hint, hint, you know who they are, just look in the mirror, to improperly delay and stop full and complete investigation into the Biden crime family. He didn't put it that way. I will, of course. Not limited to FD 1023s referencing the crime family. Now, here's the thing that's new and of interest. Just one initial example, he said, I have been made aware that at one point the FBI maintained over 40, that's four zero, confidential human sources that provided criminal information relating to the Biden crime family, Joe Biden, James Biden, Ut Hutter Biden. And he went on to say, uh, you know, how what we already know, how they used it to discredit the laptop from hell and so forth and so on. Uh, then there's another story. President Trump, who was actually elected, as it turns out, but if you say that, like Owen Schroyer, that's a thought crime and a speech crime, and you'll probably end up in the gulag like so many others, he stormed out of a courtroom as the judge refused to dismiss the bogus trial there after Michael Cohen, one of the main witnesses against him, admitted that he had been lying under oath and he never ordered Trump or his Trump organization CFO Alan uh, Weisselberg to inflate his assets, which is basically the whole claim of this latest trumped-up investigation, which is not an investigation, it's a witch hunt. And um, by the way, there is uh, uh, the the uh, Letitia James, what a scum you know what, is seeking a quarter billion dollars in damages, even though there's no victim in this so-called fraud case because there's no fraud. Okay, so what we're seeing, in other words, here is a legal system, folks, that has nothing to do with law anymore. No wonder they want you disarmed and right now, because more and more Americans are not only starting to see through it, they've had enough. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Is it better late than never? <laughs>